Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. On today's show, Liz and I talk with Dr. Jeremy Bowden about navigating the newlywed years. We discuss some of the biggest challenges newlyweds face, as well as some tips and tools to help couples navigate these challenges. Dr. Jeremy Bowden is an associate professor of family science at Utah Valley University. He teaches courses in marriage and relationships, human sexuality, family dynamics, and couples therapy in the Marriage and Family Therapy Program. Jeremy is a licensed marriage and family therapist and maintains a small private practice in Provo, Utah, where he specializes in couples and discernment counseling. He's also the owner and director of the Center for Marriage Preparation, which helps couples get ready for marriage through his Before We Say I Do program. You can check out his website at centerformarriageprep.com. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey friends, the doctors are in the house. Welcome to Stronger Marriage Connection. I'm Dr. Dave Schramm here at USU. I'm here alongside our co-host, Dr. Liz Hill, licensed clinical psychologist, and we are dedicating our lives to bringing you the very best research and resources, the tips and tools to help you have the marriage of your dreams. Well, I'm super excited today for our discussion today. We're going to talk about navigating the newlywed years, and our guest today is a great friend of mine, a good colleague. He's a therapist, developer of all kinds of wonderful resources and programs, which we'll get to. He is a professor at Utah Valley University, the one and only Dr. Jeremy mm -hmm. Bowden. Dr. Bowden, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, uh, Dave and Liz. It's, it's such an honor to be here. We feel the same way. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Jeremy, I'll call you Jeremy, Dr. Bowden. We'll go interchangeably. <laughs> hey, I'm excited about our topic today because I think the newlywed, the months and the years during this transition time, kind of the getting to know each other and then the marriage and the, the first few months and years of marriage, I think there's all kinds of, of changes, right? Getting used to each other, um, the little quirks, the little habits, the personalities and all these things that take some time to get used to each other. Uh, sometimes people just think, you know, it's it's going to be such a happy time. We're so in love. Why would we need any relationship education? Because we just love each other so much. And people sometimes think it's this romantic time, which it can be the, the honeymoon years, the or the, the the days and weeks and months. But I also think that there's an adjustment period, right, Jeremy? That is that's different and unique. That there's not just this one trajectory the all newlyweds experience. Is that right? Is that what you found in your counseling and relationship education courses that you offer there? Yeah, absolutely, uh, Dave. That is, that is. Uh, I think you nailed it with that. You know, anytime we're transitioning into 
a new environment, uh, anything like that, it's going to take some adjusting. And essentially what we talk about in my classes and different counseling and stuff is that you're, you're essentially forming a new system. And with that new system, there's going to be some adjusting. That, and I think that's such a great word to use. Uh, you know, our, our, I think more than anything, I remember when I was first got married, I think one of the biggest adjustments for me and I've found with couples also is that my choices now have a direct impact on another person. And I'll often use the example in my classes about, you know, when you were single and you wanted to buy a $150 pair of shoes, who did you have to talk to about that? And they all say, well, no one. I'm like, yeah, you didn't. But now that you are married, you have to talk to somebody about that because that choice of buying a $150 pair of shoes now impacts your, your partner. And that was one of the hardest adjustments for me is this, and not necessarily finances, but any decision that I made for the most part, I had to collaborate. And so that, that's a big adjustment for, for people. And uh, I remember when I was in college, I, I loved, uh, I loved, I, I loved having a, um, a fish tank. And one of the things you learn about when you get a new fish is you can't just chuck them in the water. You have to acclimate them. And I think that's part of the process with a lot of couples is they they get thrown into this marriage fist tank and they they haven't adjusted to the temperature, the climate, the environment of that uh, take and, uh, of that fish tank of marriage. And it takes patience. It takes time. And and I, I think that's one of the things that a lot of couples really struggle with. The relationship is really still evolving on some levels, depending on how long they've known each other. And there's marital tasks that, you know, we could go off on that as well, just different things that they have to adjust to and acclimate. So, so I think you used a great word with a, a adjusting. I have this funny, I don't know if you call it Freudian slip, Jeremy and Dave, but when I will say things about wedding, it's, I replace wedding with funeral. It's the weirdest thing. I'll say, yeah, my grandma's coming to the funeral when it's wedding. And I started to think about that, that, you know, there is a death of a, of a single footloose, fancy free life, right? I'm no longer just that easy breezy woman that gets to make those decisions on the $150 pair of shoes. I can't remember when I bought a pair of shoes like that, but I bet they're athletic shoes, right? Those are probably expensive and I'm not very athletic. So therefore I wouldn't know that. But I think there is a, a loss of that single footloose, fancy free. Would you agree? And something very different that now I'm embracing. Yeah. No, I, I I think that's a great way to put it, Liz, as far as a loss. And one of the things, and I, uh, we'll talk about this, but just kind of expectations. And part of that process is is grieving some of those losses of expectations. And that that's a real process for people is you have to lean into that. I'm going to have to grieve a few things that I thought this relationship was going to to be like. And and that can be a challenge for a lot of couples thinking, ah, oh, I didn't know I was going to have to experience loss. So I think that's a great way to frame it. Liz. And, you know, if we don't expect that, Jeremy, here's what I hear. And Dave, you, you may hear this, too, is that couples will. I can't tell you how many couples I work with who have said, I think I've married the wrong person. Mm. I think I made a mistake. And a colleague of mine, a mentor, actually will say, well, they absolutely did make a mistake. He married someone that was selfish and not very loving and giving. And guess what? The other partner married the same kind of person, you know, because we are growing up in marriage. So I think without that great insight of yours, Jeremy, about loss, I think it's very easy to misinterpret that maybe I have made a mistake. 
Let, let's ask you about the big picture here. What are the biggest issues newlyweds are facing in the first few years of marriage, please? Yeah, that's that's a good question. You know, one of the things I've done in my in my class at UVU is uh, I I looked recently at some research around this and actually used one of your studies, uh, Dr. Dave, on newlyweds, and and I combined some other research and really three studies and kind of found some my own little meta analysis or found the the commonalities of of these studies and what they found and. And, and Dave, you could probably guess for a lot of couples, the biggest one coming into it is finances, is specifically uh, what I found across these three studies on newlyweds was adjusting or managing finances and more specifically the debt that's brought into marriage. So that was really, the students are really fascinated by that idea, this debt brought into marriage. And then down the line from that, things like balancing job and family I think once, you know, their, their relationship is so hyper, hyper focused on their, on each other that once they get married and they go, okay, we got to get back to life and school and jobs and family. And they, they have a hard time balancing that. And then, you know, another common one is communication and conflict resolution. And then uh, their sexual relationship is another issue that comes up. And now they have to also start to manage home. You know, meal prep and division of labor, who's going to do what? And that can cause a lot of problems, especially if you're coming in with different expectations of gender roles and who does what and things like that. And uh, there's other things about, you know, how much one of the things I've worked with couples a lot with that they are very surprised about is how much time to spend together. You know, that, that your your relationship with your friends is probably going to change on some levels. You can't go golfing every Saturday, golfing 18 holes like you used to do. I mean, things are going to be changing. And that goes back to that, what we were saying earlier, um, Liz, that I think you put so well with this loss, like, oh, I need to adjust. And and parents and in-laws was one of the other ones that was one of the last ones that they have to start adjusting to. And and, you know, by the way, I, I in preparation for this, I've gone back and listened, spent the last couple of weeks listening to your podcast. And I, I gosh, if I could give a shout out for it, this is such a fantastic podcast. And I learned so many things and you you really got the who's who of relationship experts out there. And and I think it was one of them. I can't remember. And Dave, I think you even mentioned it, the idea of this slow drift uh, the, the slow drift and the busyness. I think that's what a lot of couples, uh, that the research doesn't really flesh out, but I think that's what I have found in my own work with couples and also in my classes is this, the busyness that couples have right now that their relationship moves into the slow drift where they're, they have a goal, but if you're not moving and paddling in the ocean, you're going to eventually drift away from those goals. So. Uh, I think that was you, Dave, that brought that up. And I thought that was such great insight. Yeah. Yeah. It comes from Dennis Rainey. He talks about this natural flow to isolation where if we're not mm. yeah, intentionality, I think is some of the key of holding on to each other. Um, whether you're newlywed or been married 40 years, I, even some of those drifting, I think happens for couples who are been married even longer when you're together, you just kind of get used to each other and you get into these um, routines, some might even call them ruts where maybe it's just TV here. You go upstairs and I go downstairs and we just kind of mm -hmm. do the, we're just kind of floating along, which I, I don't know, that doesn't seem to, to be what relationships would really be about is this 
more intentionality, this closeness, purposeful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as we're talking about some of these these issues, Jeremy, I can't help but think that there may be some um, either newlyweds or those who are engaged or getting close to be engaged, or even maybe some parents who are listening who whose children uh, are, are engaged or are newlyweds. And they may almost feel overwhelmed because you're hearing all this about, hey, I mean, here's problem areas and balancing, you know, time together and money and sexual intimacy, communication, in-laws, all this. It can feel overwhelming, I think, um, for some because it can also be a wonderful time. So just to provide a little bit of balance can be a wonderful adjustment. But I do love um, almost just speaking frankly, not harshly, but just honestly about some of the adjustments. We can jump into expectations a little bit, Jeremy. You mentioned those before. When we expect that maybe things are going to be this way, or these in-laws are going to be just like my parents, so they're going to be warm and loving, and we're going to go over there on Sundays and have dinners, and this kind of expectation, or that that maybe that she's supposed to cook all the meals because that's how I was raised, and, and this is how I like things, or um, you know, the apartment where we're living in is supposed to be this clean, but maybe he's really messy. Or the video games, he goes over to his friends and plays. So all of this expectations, I think, as we enter expect, uh, relationships with a certain level of expectation, talk to us a little bit about these realistic and unrealistic expectations going into relationships. Yeah, that is such a great question and something I think about a lot when we specifically when we talk about newlyweds. Uh, I, I came up with this metaphor several years ago, and I like to teach it. I call it the all-in-one wagon metaphor. And Basically, as we're growing up uh, in our family, uh, family of origin or family backgrounds, whatever environment we grew up in, we all were given kind of a proverbial wagon and we fill that wagon full of expectations of roles, of um, rituals and uh, different things around expectations around money, how communication is supposed to be, what commitment looks like. And we just fill that wagon guess what? Your partner also has a wagon that they have just filled up with all those things. When you come together into marriage, your goal is now to fit all of those into one wagon. And there's no way for all of them to fit into one because you've got two separate wagons. And so part of the adjusting to marriage is figuring out what do we keep? What's healthy? What's productive? What's realistic? Um, and what do we need to let go of? Because we've got to fit this all into one wagon. And I think that's the struggle, but also the beauty for couples that can strengthen them as they learn from each other and go, you know what? That's actually a great expectation. That's a really different way, but a really better way to do things or to think, uh, or to, to discuss things. And so, I like using that metaphor for couples because I think it normalizes some of the adjustment, but it also gives that that you can create this beautiful wagon with each other uh, of, of new things. And so that's one of the, the ways that I talk about it. And more specifically, that when we're talking about expectations that, and I think you said it, they, they need to be um, reasonable. They need to be realistic. And they need to be flexible. I, I think that's a big part of this. But also, I hope that couples will go into it, that they need to be positive. Uh, I don't want to give the message that you're going to go into this experience and just have to grieve for the first five years of your marriage. They should be positive because 
marriage is great. I mean, you have a lot of people say, you know, you have this built in sleepover partner and, and it's just so much fun and you learn through and you have great memories. And so they should be positive. In fact, the research says that is that couples that do well are those that have positive expectations that we're going to have fun together. We're going to learn new things. And but they also need to be realistic and flexible. And and as we said earlier, there needs to be some space to grieve some of those unmet or Uh, adjusted expectations. We'll be right back after this brief message. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Let's dive right in. And like you both said, we don't just face these issues at the beginning of marriage, right? Money, time, in-laws, sex, it goes on, right? Every season of life, maybe, or every new week. Uh, my husband and I married later in life, Jeremy, and uh, so we may not be arguing about money. We have enough for our needs. But what we're now, we're, what we're kind of tussling about, since earlier today, too much information maybe, is our will. Our will. We don't have children. So deciding um, together, like, who do we leave things to? How do you, how do you decide what to do? And it brings up some really powerful emotions, you know? So I love that you both say it's not just a one and done. We revisit these things again and again. Well, we have been married uh, 10 years, 30 years, whether we are 25 or whether we are 60. Um, those, those, that's a part of marriage life. And nothing is wrong when we have those conflicts or tussles. It's something for uh, working through and working through to get to a closer connection on the other side. What, what practical tips do you have for helping couples navigate some of these challenges early on? Yeah, that is a great question. And one of the things I was just reading some research the other day, and I thought it was a really fascinating study because what they did was they, they went back and they talked to couples who had gone through a premarital program, but then eventually divorced. And basically, what can we learn from these couples? What can we do differently and one of the things that came, the, the, the number one issue that these couples said was a lack of commitment led to their divorce. And I think that's kind of a practical tip to start to look at more specifically, what does commitment look like that uh, these couples who had now divorced, these individuals were saying, we just didn't have a lot of it. And when it comes down to when we looked at some of the qualitative research or the interviews that they had, it was about essentially a lack of effort put in by their partner 
And some of them even admitted that they they themselves did not put in as much effort. So some practical tips around what uh, what that looks like on a day-to-day basis. I think it's putting your relationship first. Uh, you know, happy marriages really don't come by accident. Uh, just as, as uh, uh, Dr. Dave was talking about, that they are intentional. They have to be intentional. One, and so when I've worked with premarital couples, one of my favorite things to do is on our last session, we have a discussion about where do you go from now? Where do you go from here? And the thing that I encourage them about what this looks like on a day-to-day basis is that I have them commit in the first five years of marriage that they should read one marriage book a year and that they put that into action. And I give them, you know, a list of some great books that they can choose from. But then after that, you know, for the rest of the relationship or the rest of their marriage, maybe one book every other year or every three years. But the research really shows that the first five years of marriage can really set a template for the rest of your relationship, for the rest of your marriage. And so doing that, um, I often will say connect once a day and date once a week. That's the other thing is just a 10 minute reconnection, tuning into each other. How was your day? Everything, you know, phones off, phones aside, TV off, computers away, and just connect for 10 minutes. Any couple has time for that. I, I know that we're busy, but any couple has time for 10 minutes. And then whatever they can do, a date a week, because that centers their relationship on each other and it shows one another, hey, you're my priority in this life. And we're going to we're going to date at least once a week, whether that's, you know, an hour on a busy week, do we meet up for lunch or if it's a, a date night where you go and spend with another couple, whatever that might be. Um, I would also recommend some practical things is to if problems arise that you jump into some couples therapy. In newlywed couples are some of my favorite couples to work with because they don't have all the resentment of years and years built up in them but they can really come in with some practical issues that they've been grappling with. And a lot of times they're not in therapy for, for too long because they're able to just nip a lot of this at the, in the bud and, and, and really get to the issue, but they're heading it off at the pass as they often say. Another practical tip. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Liz. Sorry. They still come in with hope, right? Jeremy, that hope in their eyes, like, Oh, we really want this, but we just know we have some blind spots. Yes. Uh, you know, the therapist that I often train, I, I, I teach a couple therapy class also. And I say to these therapists, you are hope merchants. Okay. You, you've got to instill hope in these couples. And so you're right. They still come in with a lot of hope. And, but uh, the hardest couples are obviously those that are coming in 20, 30 years into marriage and they've just finally starting to address it. Um, you know, this may be a little, uh, you may not have thought of this, but a lot of people, one of the things I'm really starting to do with couples, especially premarital and newlywed, is teach them emotional regulation skills. Um, that has been such a change in my work with couples uh, to, to get into some practical techniques and skills around managing emotions. Uh, and so that's a practical thing that I would give them. And then, you know, monthly course correction conversations, as I like to call them, you know, once a month, just sit down and say, okay, what's going really well? What do I appreciate about you? And where can we adjust? And I, and I think those are some really practical and doable things that, that couples can do together um, to, to make this commitment, this effort 
sustainable and 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 for them to really see these are some things that we can do uh, instead of these abstract ideas but some specific things to do Jerry, I love I love this what you're talking about, and I love that you put that you talked about the emotion, uh, you know, the stress, the some of the anger. I, I probably said this before on the podcast that it's reactions tend to wreck relationships, or at least that moment of of connection that when we just overreact to, to pounce on something because often what something I was reading a, a book a book recently talked about often. When someone says something, it's it's taken in a different intent or, or much more harshly than it should be by the other person, depending on the person's mood, you know, right? Hungry, angry, lonely, tired, those types of things. But being able to, because there's a lot going on, as, as we talked about, sometimes it's school or work or working a couple jobs and we don't have much money. And so already it seems like the, the stress is up here and it doesn't take much to kind of send that over the edge. So be able to emotional regulate, to sense that, what to do when we're kind of losing it or how to take time out. So I really love and appreciate that you're bringing that up uh, with, with couples. Dave, can we ask Jeremy, what are some of those emotional regulation regulators? Yeah. Do you have any little tips or tools to, to, know. to help couples through that? Yeah. One of the techniques that I, I teach a lot, that's really easy and it's got a great acronym acronym <clears throat> and it's called the stop technique. And it's pretty easy to remember in those moments. And that what the what the letters stand for, S just stands for stop. Just stop what you're doing in that moment. And the T uh, stands for kind of take a breath. Take a breath because when we breathe, it brings us into the moment. Okay, so stop, take a breath, focus on your breathing. And then the O stands for observe. Observe what other people are doing. Observe what you're feeling, what you're doing, your own thoughts, and and really tune into those emotions and those thoughts. And then the P stands for proceed mindfully and skillfully. And so whatever you're learning, I often tell people, you know, emotions are just information. (laughs) They're information to help you see what you need. And so proceed skillfully and then understand what do I need right now? Do I just need a 10 minute break to step away? Do I need a hug? Do I just need to know that my partner loves me? Whatever it is uh, to proceed skillfully, or maybe I need to apologize to them. Um, But uh, yeah, stop, take a breath, observe and proceed mindfully and skillfully. So that's kind of a quick and easy way to practice some emotional regulation. We are all about resources here on our show. Jeremy, as you know, and the Utah Marriage Commission offers free webinars, and you've been a guest a couple of times. Thank you for that. The Relate Assessment, ePrep. What are some other resources available to couples who might be struggling and even resources available to couples who just want to keep progressing? Yeah, I I think some great resources, anything that you said, the Relate uh, is a great one and the the Ready for those who are single. Uh, The Symbus, the Saving Your Marriage Before It Starts is similar to Relate. It does, that one does cost money and usually you have to go with a a clergy or a therapist who's been trained in that. Uh, But that's another one that, that people can use out there. Uh, anything, uh, you know, I, I love the Utah Marriage Commission. There's such fantastic resources on there. So many accessible and a lot of them are free. You know, the, you've got the webinars. You've also got this wonderful podcast. And there's also 
what we do at my center that, you know, I, I own and operate the center for marriage preparation. So, but we also work with a lot of newlyweds and we've developed a model on helping them. It's, it's based a lot of education, a little bit of therapy if it's needed. That's a great one. I teach the course at UVU that it's called FAMS 1150. It's a marriage and relationship skills course. You can take it online. Um, I mean, obviously it's run through Utah Valley University. So uh, there's, there's that as well. But there's, there's some, just a lot of really great resources out there that, uh, that, that you have both mentioned as well. So yeah, I love Symbus as well. I trained in that. I think it's excellent. I, we love, you know, we love Les and Leslie. We've had them on here. So thank you for that good reminder too. Yeah. I, I, I think Jeremy, that we are at a, a place really in, in like history when we have more resources, more, we know more about what makes relationships work at the same time. It feels like that there's more and more uh, pressure and more and more, um, you know, options for couples and, you know, to, to do this or maybe get involved too much at work or all this is coming at this kind of this collision time. So I think making time intentionally for resources to seek things out and to, to realize that, Hey, we can, we can all improve. There's things out there for us. You mentioned the Utah marriage commission website, which produces this, this podcast, all kinds of great research um, resources available for people to, to access. Let me ask you, we like to ask our guests um, toward the end. This is the stronger marriage connection podcast, obviously Dr. Bowden, what do you think is the key to a stronger marriage connection? Yeah, I'm glad that you asked me this. It's something I've thought a lot about. Um, and it's pretty, it's, it's simple to, to remember, but it, it can be challenging to, to implement. The thing that I, over the last couple of years, I have emphasized is helping your partner feel consistently safe, seen, and soothed. Uh, if you look at the couples that come into, you know, I do couples therapy. That's really all I do. And I train therapists in that as well. If you look at the couples that come into my office, we can boil down their issues into one of those three things, one or all of them, that they're either not feeling emotionally safe to be open, to be honest, uh, to feel accepted by them, or they're not feeling seen. <clears throat> I don't feel understood. I don't feel validated. I don't feel like I'm special or I'm a priority. I don't even know if my partner really uh, will ever accept me. I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to fail. I'm going to make mistakes and I wish they would just accept me. Or, or finally, they just don't know if, if I'm having a hard day or if I'm struggling, can I come to you and get some comfort, some calm, some, some soothing? And I've trained my couples to use that language. And so when they're struggling, they can say, you know, I think I just don't feel seen right now. That feels much easier than you're a big jerk. <laughs> And so if I had to boil down the stronger, uh, you know, the stronger marriage connection and that couples, if they can help each other feel consistently safe, seen and soothed, it'll ameliorate a lot of the issues. That's nice. I really want to ask you about choosing well also. But before we do that, is there anything you'd like our listeners to know about preparing for marriage and navigating the newlywed years, dear Jeremy? Yeah, I think a little kind of going back to what I was saying before, uh, I would just pay attention to potential problems early, things that come up and be tuned into that. You know, one of the benefits, I think, of going through some type of premarital education workshop 
or doing individual premarital um, work with a counselor where it's just you and your partner is it normalizes the process of getting educated about relationships or going into therapy. And so when things come up, don't ignore them. Don't ignore problems. You know, we learn all about prevention. You know, the medical field is really latched on to preventative work. And so uh, I, I think that's a that's a big thing that I would uh, help them to to understand is is don't let little things turn into big things. Yeah. And we're never going to be perfect, right? <laughs> right, Jeremy? Right, Dave? <laughs> Maybe I'm looking for a little validation. So I'm so glad that we have the opportunity to repair, you know, to make things better, right? A do-over, a new new beginning. I just want to make, right, offer hope that even a marriage therapist and old gal like me, we still make mistakes, but we can get back on track. So going back to the singles, what is there something about mate selection, uh, Dave and Jeremy, that you advise since we're representing UVU and Utah State and I've got such a tender spot to singles and young people. What, what's your recommendations on choosing well? Um, I'll jump in first. I think that uh, I, a friend of mine, he sent me a text. This was years ago and it was just kind of out of the blue and he was single and he said, you know, you do this for a living. What's one attribute if you had to pick one? of a potential partner, I said, gosh, I, I would have to, I replied and I said, humility, uh, because if you're, if you're coming into any situation with the idea of, Hey, I might be wrong here. <laughs> There's a chance I could be wrong and I don't have the full perspective here. And, uh, you know, your needs are just as important as mine. Gosh, can you see how applying that attribute of humility can dissolve a lot of issues in a relationship. So that's that's the one I would I would tell singles to look, you know, foster and nurture that in your own self, but also look for that in a partner. Well said. Dave, what about you? Yeah. I, I love actually humility. I think he knows that that openness to another perspective, someone else's um, view. I would couple that with, and we've done some research our ourselves with this one that they're correlated is compassion. Uh, I love that word compassion. We've had Dr. Stas and he talk about how compassion is the lifeblood of, of relationships. So if you haven't heard that episode, you got to go back and listen to episode number five that talks about um, compassion and that, that simple, it's kind of manifested in kindness, that being kind. It, Jeremy, you've talked about this as well, that humility, that kindness, I would even add maybe even gratitude, how appreciative they are. I think that stems from humility actually it's, is that willingness to recognize others, um, to see things, and then to be grateful and express that gratitude. I think those are all really important. Mm -hmm. I love it. Kindness would be one that I would come up with as well as awareness. You know, when, when my husband is thoughtful, I can't tell you what that does to me. I, you just feel seen and known and loved. You know, boy, it's just those little things, isn't it, that make a big difference? At least they are for me. It is. Yeah, yeah, those small things often, as, as you said before, well, Jeremy, before we let you go, we like to wrap up here at Stronger Marriage Connection uh, podcast by talking about our takeaway of the day. What's your kind of key nugget here, your takeaway of the day that you want listeners to really uh, remember? Uh, from my own or from anything that you said? Or anything anything that, uh, yeah, it could be from our discussion or just something you haven't even said yet that I think, yeah, you know what, this is super important. Um, no, I, I think that uh, going back to what I was saying before about just noticing those little things as far as maybe some cycles that are coming up in your relationship that just 
create disconnection and, and really paying attention to those. I love that Liz talked about awareness. Uh, you know, one of my favorite m- marriage counseling stories I had was a husband who was struggling with that idea. And then finally he, he came in one session and he said, you know, I finally figured out what my wife was saying when she said, I need to be more aware of her. And because her favorite day of the year was Pi Day, you know, the <laughs> March, I think it's 14th, March 14th. Yeah. And that's her favorite day. And she never, <laughs> she, she didn't like to make the, the crust, but she loved making the filling. And, and so he said, I woke up at 4 a.m. and I made the pie crust for her. And she didn't know. And she was just beaming in the session. And she's like, you got it. That's exactly what I'm talking about is that's awareness. Like you were aware of things and it, it shifted their relationship. So I love that Liz brought that up. I think that's such an important part of, uh, you know, in dating process, but also in newlywed, any time of marriage is just being aware of your partner. And it was one of my favorite marriage stories because it really shifted for them. And he, it was like a light bulb. You can almost see it above his head on the, on the couch. They were sitting along like, I finally got what you're saying when you want me to be more aware of you. So that's my takeaway. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Liz, what about you? I think there's always hope, you know, again, whether we've been married five minutes, five days, five weeks, five years, or 25 years, I think there's just always hope. I don't think that it's ever too early or ever too late to really get some good professional help. And we know more than ever before about what makes marriage thrive. Mm, yeah. Thanks, Liz. I, I, man, I listened to both of yours. I really love that. I love that mindful awareness. I love that, that during that transition, it goes from me to we, that it's no longer about, about me, but it's about us and it's about you. And if I pay, pay close attention, listeners, to the little subtle hints, if as they talk about the upcoming vacation or an upcoming holiday or a birthday, or if he or she mentions something that they would like to do sometime, jot it down. I put it down you know, for my wife Christmas list. I put it down in my, in my phone. I try to be more aware and catch some of these subtle little things because it, it is, I think it's this this noticing, it's appreciating, it's kindness, compassion, these little things that go a long way in in our relationships. Wow, uh, so much that we, little tools and things. I love the STOP acronym, um, Dr. Bowen. You've, it's been such a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for, for coming on and joining us today. Thank you. It has been a pleasure, and I, it's always great to learn from some of the best with Liz and you, Dave. So thank you for your contributions as well. Can I just tell you my regrets? Dave and Jeremy, is that when I was in school, I didn't have professors like the two of you. There weren't these rich resources and classes to take advantage of. I'm really kind of envious of your students. They are so blessed. And it's very encouraging that the next generation can keep getting stronger and stronger, better than the ones before. But they'll do a better job than I did. So Mm. thanks for the contributions you make in these colleges. Uh, Well, thank you. You're very kind and generous in those compliments. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, thanks, Liz. And she mentioned resources. For resources, please visit strongermarriage.org. You can find all kinds of resources and uh, research that will be able to help you in your relationship. But for now, my friends, thanks for joining us again on another episode of the Stronger Marriage Connection podcast. Remember, it's the law of little things, those little things you got to do each day to keep your relationship strong. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, do us a favor and take a few minutes to subscribe to our podcast and the Utah Marriage Commission YouTube channel, where you can watch this and every episode of the show. When you hit the like button and leave a comment, your feedback helps us improve the show. 
And don't forget to share this episode with a friend. You can also follow and connect with us on Instagram at Stronger Marriage Life and on Facebook at Stronger Marriage. Be sure to share with us what topics you want us to explore or what you loved about today's episode. If you want even more resources to improve your relationship connection, visit our website at StrongerMarriage.org where you'll find free workshops, webinars, relationship surveys, and more. Each episode of Stronger Marriage Connection is hosted and sponsored by the Utah Marriage Commission at Utah State University. And finally, a big thanks to our producers Rex Polanis and Alexis Alcott and the team at Utah State University. And you, our audience, you make this show possible. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.